Hey everybody, Aaron here. This is going to be a slightly different podcast, uh, kind of like we did six months ago with Nick. We're going to talk about the film and TV shows that we've liked so far this year, so kind of up to, up to the midpoint. It's going to be spoiler-free, so check it out if you're interested in hearing about TV and movies that you might have missed. And we'll be back in two weeks with a regular video game focused podcast. Born on the North Bank, king of the East Side, 50 years strong. Now he's rolling in a sick ride, handmade suits, raking in loot. Five star general, y'all best salute. Yo, bitches be catty, but the King Kong daddy. Rock all the haters while we go roll a fatty. Squiggle on the decks, Kenny on the rhymes, and Logan Big Ballin' on Hampton's time. Nick, thank you for joining us for another podcast. I know thank you're a busy you man, me. and we, yeah, we really appreciate your time. And we're going to talk, this is kind of a mid-year check-in on non-gaming media. Is that is that a good way to describe this, Warren? Yeah, we're going to talk about our favorite movies and TV shows of the year. And we're going to try to do it in under an hour. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> well, everybody listening will know whether or not we achieved that goal. Uh, <laughs> Just look right. at the time code. <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's t- start with the movies. Guys, guys, have you been watching movies? Oh, yeah. Well, Nick, you just saw a movie, which oh, yeah. might actually be my movie of the year so far. Oh, so. really? Okay. I I liked it a lot, but yeah, you go ahead. Yeah, the movie in question <laughs> is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, a.k.a. Mission Impossible 7, um, which is a lot of fun. Just I, I, I think this comparison has been made, but it, it was made by a few people. I think even you made it, Orin. Uh, it feels like I'm Hideo Kojima's story. <laughs> it's like this bonkers, like, <laughs> yes. spy espionage. There's artificial intelligence. What's real? What's not real? The future is being changed. We have to cling to our humanity. And what makes us human is our flaws and unpredictable choices. Like, it's all of that insane, like, pseudo-philosophical tech jargon that Kojima loves a lot with Mission Impossible action. That's just a blast. Absolute blast to watch. Um, I'm definitely in the ballpark now of saying that all the movies that come out are way too long for their own good, even though I love a good long movie, but this one didn't feel like it. This one is almost yeah. three hours long, and it just just, just went by so quickly. Uh, and it's also the rare part one that's actually conclusive in a satisfying way. You know, where it's actually like, you know what? I can wait even two, three years for the next one. I don't want to watch it like right away because this one, this was a good movie in its own right. So big thumbs up. Awesome. Yeah, it's kind of funny because uh, I actually felt I saw the Across the Spider Verse movie, mm. um, and I thought that movie didn't do the part one, part two thing gracefully because it ends on like a big cliffhanger, and I'm like, uh, well, I kind of have to see the second one now to like see what. What, what's up with that but I think this movie even though it's a part one feels like a complete movie like and I think I gotta applaud Tom Cruise and Macquarie for doing that like that it stands out on its own but I just love this movie I think it not only channels Hideo Kojima but it just channels the spirit of Buster Keaton so well mm. like it, it feels like a modern Buster Keaton movie hmm. and um Tom Cruise's commitment to just delivering this cinematic spectacle with real stunts is just amazing. And there's this one moment without spoiling it that happens late in the film that is so Buster Keaton. And I was like cackling with laughter for like five minutes because I like couldn't believe that he did it. Um, And I just I just found this movie immensely gratifying. Um, Definitely. Um, maybe my movie of the year so far um, though there are a couple other movies in contention for that that we'll talk about yeah there's a lot of movies this year um, mm. the only movie I've seen in movie theaters because unfortunately my uh, my life's a little busy right now and getting to a movie theater is challenging but was Bo's Afraid which I saw in the front row which is like oh. a very Bo's Afraid <laughs> experience like uh, I we just recorded another podcast where Kevin did not he, he did a negative recommendation on that movie I liked this movie, but like as I said in that podcast, it was. I have mixed feelings, uh, but I do recommend people who are you know, who who are willing to watch complicated uh, films or you, know, you know digest uh, challenging media. Check it out; it's worth checking out. But it, it is way too long, even though it's only two hours and fifty nine minutes. It, it's like it. It's like watching a three hour therapy session. Um, 
of you know the a lot of the movie is about like what it's like living with anxiety, what it's like living with trauma from your parents, and I think it does it in a way that's very interesting, but it also does it in a way that's very unwieldy and very long. <laughs> so I think I th- I'm glad it exists. I don't know if I like it, but I'm glad I'm glad it was made, and that movies like that can get made. Uh, what's what's this past lives? Oh, that oh, I gotta see this movie. Uh, that might be yet. my movie of the year. I've only seen it once. It was back in in at the Berlin Film Festival in in February, and it's stuck with me since. It's come up in my head like multiple, multiple times. I think it. it everyone who loves, you know, like the Before trilogy by Linklater. Mm. If you love like right. Call Me by Your Name and all those like uh, Wong Kar Wai in the Mood for Love. Okay, this is an Aaron movie. Yeah, if you like sad romance, uh, this is all about, you know, a what-if relationship. It's 24 years in the life of these two childhood sweethearts who are torn apart by life. One goes, one stays in Korea, the other goes to live in the States, and it just jumps 12 years and then 12 years more in time. And it's about, you know, what if? What if they actually had a relationship what if she stayed in korea what what if she didn't marry or something like that like it's it's a very it's very mature that's probably the best thing i can say about it it's incredibly mature it could have easily gone into melodramatic directions it could have gone into uh you know like big romantic gestures and things like that but instead it's very reserved it's very feels very personal it's very passionate and restrained at the same time um it manages to lead to like the most memorable and heartbreaking climax where basically only like three words are said and it's very it's something that you say to a lot of people in life but it just breaks you down uh by the time the movie finished i was like struggling trying to keep my tears in and i looked around and everyone was crying <laughs> everyone <laughs> just full-on crying i was like you know what it's fine just just let it out i hugged a stranger i don't know who he was but he was just like crying next to me i was like it's fine <laughs> it's okay so i know it's i know it's like touring in the states i don't know i don't think it's still like available in wide release but if you can watch it on the big oh, screen 100 yeah. percent do because it's well worth it all right i, I remember the trailer for that they showed that when i watched bo is afraid and it looked really good i i right. definitely want to see this yeah i, I want to see it too i don't know why i haven't gone to see it but i think one thing that t- tipped me over the edge slightly unrelated but um i read her criterion collection top 10 because you know how criterion collections sometimes invite people mm. to share their top 10 favorite criterion movies and they write little blurbs for each one and the director her interpretation of barry linden was so spot on and i just like loved what she said so much that it motivated it's motivating me to see her movie because she said that barry linden what makes it such a great movie is it's about how small people are in history um and i think that's paraphrasing a bit but i was like oh my gosh that's so right that's why barry linden's great it's about how nice. small and petty we are in history um so if she understands that about barry linden it makes me want to go see the movie and it's a debut as well so that's up to celine song hmm. that's amazing awesome. awesome uh dungeons and dragons who watched this i did did you see this one nick i have actually yeah oh uh, yeah yeah I thought it was like um, just like a good a good popcorn flick that I had low expectations for, but I think it ended up being a better Marvel movie than like most like ninety five percent of Marvel movies. Like oh, this yeah. is what I'm looking for in Marvel movies that they just haven't been giving me. And I think what sets it apart is that the characters act like they're playing a Dungeons and Dragons game, and the dialogue reflects that. So like whenever they have a problem they'll actually talk like dungeons and dragons characters um like oh what if i use my bow what if i do this so i just thought that was a really clever and meta way to approach dialogue yeah super fun i i I always say that i miss like straightforward no-nonsense adventure films and this one gave me exactly that it feels very 90s in the best way possible you have actual puppets for like, like animatronics and right. things like that for certain well, that's certain awesome. creatures. It's like, oh, yes, it's not just giant CGI. It's actual, you know, people in costumes. <laughs> it's it's it's, <laughs> yeah. it's fun. It's so fun. Yeah, I agree. Hmm. Also, uh, Chris Pine is a really good leading man. Yeah. And uh, Hugh Grant's a really good villain. So Just slimy. Yeah. Just the slimiest man. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Oh, my gosh. Oren liked a Marvel movie. Can you believe it? <laughs> I thought Marvel it was really good. Here. I thought it was good. It was. Uh, I actually l- prefer it to the other big Marvel movie this year, the Spider-Verse movie, which mm. I actually didn't love for some reason. Um, but this one, I thought... Um, handled like animal cruelty and themes like that in a way that I thought was like really interesting and even responsible and um had like it also like James Gunn is a big David Cronenberg fan and this movie has a lot of Cronenbergisms like you could tell that he's really influenced by the brood that he's really influenced by the fly like so that ended up winning me over and I think it's it's probably like a top three Marvel movie that doesn't really say that much because there's a lot of bad ones, but like for what it's worth, it's it's one of the good ones. Check it out. I, I still haven't seen it. I, I, I'm on a mission not to watch this in the cinemas anymore. <laughs> I have like I mean, six movies honestly, behind now, I think. Honestly, like given the writer's strike and oh everything God, and, yeah. and how terrible of a person Bob Iger is, Jeez. you're probably doing a service by not seeing this movie. <laughs> So, <laughs> but it looks yeah. good. I have to agree. No, it does look very good. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, did uh, I remember, Oren? You watched this movie, Blackberry? It was like yes. A, that is a good that movie. Theater, right? Yeah, I saw Blackberry in the theater. It's a it's a really good uh, Canadian production mm. um, by the guy who did like Nirvana, the show, the band. It's it's a really solid capital capitalism loses story like mm. it, it's it's kind of like you know how there's like a lot of movies about like the rise of a great founder like steve jobs and how he became famous and everything's great this is like the opposite of, of that this is like what if capitalism fails story and it's really funny everyone's a huge asshole in it and are just like yelling at each other it's like watching the wolf of wall street um mm. it, it's it's really good it's a really fascinating look at like how cutthroat and self-absorbed um like mega cap- capitalist tech people are and um i thought it was really good a really solid movie yeah i agree I, I i think it suffers from the from like the usual problem with a lot of those biopics where like towards the end more like the third act let's say it gets like you know it's going to end in failure it's all leading towards that and it right it's kind of like going through the motions of like we have to reach this point to end the story and then we're gonna have a lot of text on screen i wish it didn't have that if I, because everything that happened beforehand was so fresh and fun like it's shot it feels like an armando Yanucci film like it's all like these zooms almost like a right. documentary it's very tense but also so so light and fun like you said i really wasn't expecting that um it has like an incredible final scene or like final moment, it's not really the final moment. I think again, it leads into the whole like text of like where's what happened afterwards. But like the final moment with Jay Baruchel, I'm not gonna say what it is, but that was like, I was like that's a that's a that's a great way to tie everything over. Um, hmm. So yeah, no, no, yeah, I, good recommendation. Glenn Howerton was like so insane in that movie Jeez. too, and um, yeah, it's just yeah, the, the it's just a good movie. It does. Suff- succumb to some of the tropes of the biopic, but it is good. Lots of Doom references as well. <laughs> yeah, Mortal Kombat t-shirts. Yeah, that's another fun thing about the movie is that it references hmm. a lot of 80s and 90s like gamer culture stuff. Like <laughs> They have like Raiders of the Lost Ark viewing parties and they watch They Live and it's, it's fun. That's cool. Um, I think the best action movie that I've seen this year because I haven't seen Mission Impossible was John Wick 4. Yeah, man. That movie's awesome. The Hard other Buster be. Keaton movie of the year. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, I mean, for ugh, God, I'm, we're so blessed that we got that in Mission Impossible this year. That's all I'm going to say. Like, what hmm. a movie. Like, I, John Wick 4 is awesome. Yeah. It's, it's one of the few movies I've actually seen more than once in cinemas, which I never have time or interest to do, even for movies I love. But this one, I was like, no, I'm going back. <laughs> I need a second I, viewing to digest it all. Uh, which, again, I like three I, hours long, it doesn't feel like it. Yeah. Just, the nice. amount of people John Wick kills in this movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> so many dead bodies by the end of it. Um, but also, uh, um, the uh, 
It's one of those movies where John Wick is amazing, but like the supporting cast is fantastic too. Like there's so many great characters outside of just John Wick. And I think that's always been kind of a shortcoming of the first three movies is that it's really the Keanu Reeves show for those <laughs> movies. But this one, I think they really took the extra step to really build up different characters in a way that I found immensely satisfying. Yeah. I think yeah. especially the Donnie Yen like his presence in this i was i was watching finally they've released the with the blu-ray the behind the scenes featurettes and apparently literally came on set like changing choreography doing his own sh- his own thing and whenever he comes on screen you can feel the the energy just change <laughs> in all of those moments it turns into a, a different type of action film which is which is something we don't really see in hollywood pictures so i think it's one of those mm. rare cases where like while other movies have had a lot of issues with the pandemic, I mean to stop productions, I think this was a blessing for them because the third one, as much as I love it, felt rushed. In like less than two mm, years yeah, from agree. the second one coming out, this one they had like time to be like, well, we don't need to do four and five like back to back. We can just do a big one. We can like move some locations, change the story a bit. So everything I think worked out in the best case scenario. Honestly, like, this was so good, <laughs> just so good. Yeah. It kind of makes John Wick 3 just seem like way less of a movie by comparison. I think 4 yeah. is like substantially better than 3. Completely. Yeah. I would agree. I watched them all this year to catch up because I had seen the first one in theaters, but I hadn't seen the second or third one. Oh, I think wow. the first one is still like a stone-cold classic, and I really liked 4. 2 was good. 3 was kind of weak. Like the, the stacked a little in the middle, mm. uh, but... Yeah, I, just... I actually really like two because I think two brought in all the, the stupid world building, you know, mm-hmm. and I I just love two. But yeah, no, I agree. Three is like the the weak link, I think. Yeah, um, but uh, dude, uh, Keanu Reeves rolling down the steps at Montmartre like is just like the funniest, most awesome thing ever. It's yeah. the best audience reaction of the year for me. Like oh both time God. I've seen it, some people laugh, some people are some people are upset. They're like, oh come mm-hmm. on. <laughs> Like that's just no, just screaming at the screen. No, it's 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 Dude, a visceral reaction. I was like laughing the whole movie because it was just it's so absurd. Like it, it's it, it's it's a comedy. Like really, it is. It really is. Also, also all of the references. There's so many references to other movies that I love, like mm-hmm. the Barry Lyndon duel, the mm-hmm. Lawrence of Arabia opening that fantastic Warriors segment where it's oh, yeah. like the guy on the DJ telling everyone to go find that and they play nowhere to hide like oh my god what a moment like mm-hmm. it's so much what a fun movie John Wick yeah. Wars is amazing alright uh, a movie I really really want to see but have not been able to get uh, the babysitter to do it Asteroid City guys tell me about this I want to watch oh, it man Oh. Man, maybe this this one maybe is my movie of the year. Oh mm. man, Asteroid City is like a return to form for Wes Anderson. Um, I uh, actually did not really like the French Dispatch. I thought it was like the vignette structure just didn't work for me, and uh, I Love Dogs didn't work for me either. I thought that was I don't know. I borderlining fetishizing Japanese culture in a way that rubbed me a weird way. So I've been off with Wes for a couple movies now, but this one I think is really special. A lot of it's about grief. The movie works on multiple meta layers. Like you're watching a play that it, but you're also watching the behind the scenes of like the television program. I'm sorry, not play television program. And on top of that, they're like, like there's like meta layers to this that he is playing with that really, make it interesting but it's all kind of connected by this idea of performance of grief of of the co- our relationship to the cosmos like he's playing with so many themes in so many interesting ways and it's really funny um it's just it's just Wes Anderson just kind of it's the movie he's been building up to all this time I think and hmm. to make this amazing film so I highly, highly recommend Asteroid City. Maybe this is my movie of the year. I don't know. I'm, it's like between this John Wick and Mission Impossible. Like those three movies are amazing. So um, highly recommend Asteroid City. Awesome. It's right up my uh, alley. I, I really want to yeah, watch yeah. it. 
If you yeah. think that you're off with Wes Anderson like I was, I recommend it. Like, you know, because I've heard a lot of people say, like, oh, I haven't liked Wes Anderson since, like, the Jar- Darjeeling Limited. And I'm like, well, if you're oh. that person, oh. <laughs> Asteroid City is for you, you know? Mm. <laughs> it might, might be my favorite, maybe, Darjeeling Limited, actually. It's a very, it's very a great, special, 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 yeah, special place in my heart. It's um, a good reference point because Darjeeling Limited is like a really personal movie about mm. grief. And Asteroid City is also a really personal movie about grief. So if that's the style that you like, this is this is a good one. Hmm. It's coming out in September uh, here, I think. Which I don't know oh, why. Oh, it's not even out. No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, I, I, like, like two, two days ago, I could have watched it in Berlin. I was supposed to have like a meet a work meeting at like 5.30 p.m. I was like, oh, mm. damn, there was the movie at 3 p.m. I'm going to miss it. Whatever. And then they actually moved the meeting two hours forward, so I could have watched it in the cinema. Bastards. Like two days ago. I was like, damn it. Oh, man. If only I knew. So now I have to wait. Oh, yeah. They showed the trailer, I think, today. It was like, September 10th, Asteroid City. Mm. Like, oh, <laughs> Italy, why? <laughs> <laughs> I think Oppenheimer but, is coming out like on my birthday in August at the end of the month. So it's like, oh, mm, why? Uh, are you at uh, least getting Barbie this month? Are you getting Barbie? No, oh, yes. No Barbie. Oh, yes. It's coming out Thursday, so we're going. Probably opening day, actually. My sister is very excited about that. So, hmm. little I think I might. <laughs> I think I might see. I might try to see both of them the same day. We'll see if I have the stamina, uh, Barbie and Oppenheimer. But um, before we move on from uh, talking about Asteroid City, um, there was this. Uh, video going around of Wes Anderson going to like this French DVD store and picking out DVDs and saying how much he loves the movie or um or whatever DVD he picked out and there's a clip of him talking about how much he loves Evangelion and I that just was thought amazing. that was I just thought that was so funny because I would never associate in my mind Wes Anderson talking about Neon Genesis Evangelion but apparently he's a fan just picturing watching <laughs> the whole season <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, you shared that clip and I sent it to my younger sister who was also a massive Eva fan and she was like, it's my religion. <laughs> I was like, awesome. Well, it's funny because it's like, it kind of goes to show, I think Wes Anderson's really interested in just creating a world. Mm-hmm. So it would make sense that he would like something like that because I think he's interested in filmmakers who are able to completely immerse you in their language and their world in the way that Wes does. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Uh, all right, let's move on to television. Nick, what what were the TV shows that have kind of stuck with you this year? Well, I have to say, the probably the biggest show of the year so far was the The Last of Us mm-hmm. adaptation, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it, I I I think we've reached the point now where we can kind of look at it in a less biased, overly excited, hype hypeful way. Uh, right. And I have to say, overall. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. It wasn't wasn't great. It wasn't the masterpiece that some people were making it out to be. I think it yeah. it it has this this problem, which I think you mentioned already, like a few like a few episodes ago on the show. Um, the third episode of The Last of Us is so good, and it's a standalone yeah. episode. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like shooting yourself in the foot because it's such a strong narrative. You kind of don't really care that much about the main story after that. It's kind of like, oh, okay. And then you have other moments like yeah. that where you focus on sad characters that end up feeling more interesting than Joel and Ellie, um, which is different from the game because in the game, like the, the amount that I've been able to play <laughs> at least, mm-hmm. uh, you're always following them. And so you're always in their perspective. And, and I, I listened to the whole, uh, I don't remember the name, but like they have the companion podcast, you know, that's, that's a new trend of like the creators talk about right. the show. Yeah. And it was interesting to hear uh, Drakman and Mazin just talk about the changes and why they why they actually moved some story bits around, why they removed some, changed others, and all of that. Um, I get it. Like on a purely creative level, I think they made the right choices. But in execution, the moments that stand out the most are the ones that feel a bit more standalone. I think even the DLC episode of Left Behind, I think it's very strong, though a lot of people weren't that big a fan of that. Um, I don't know. I think we kind of have to accept that, you know, sometimes we, we don't need everything to be super long. I think this could have been a bit shorter, maybe, and mm. a bit more focused. Um, it didn't feel dragged like it dragged in any way, to be honest, but... Yeah, my feelings are a bit more lukewarm now than they were when it first came out. Even though I was never like, oh my god, it's 
pitch perfect <laughs> television. Like something yeah. always felt off. I don't know how you guys feel about it now. I think I feel the same. Like I played the game last year to completion. So mm. in a lot of ways, I feel like the game tells its story more successfully than the show did. I do agree that like the third episode was, was a really good standalone episode. Um, I think that the show crucially misunderstands at least based on my understanding, some things about the game that like, yeah. like that kind of compromise it in some important ways that maybe is a little, yeah, hard to talk about with it being, without being spoilerific, but like, like it, and it always felt like a TV show. Like it, it would do things that like, like watching that roughly at the same time as succession. It's like, this is a show like the last of us. That's like, this is a TV show. We're going to put really obvious signposted stuff to re- make sure that you remember like certain plot points or her suit and characters are like, it didn't always trust the audience in a way that I would have hoped it like that. I almost feel like the game does in a better way. I don't know. What do you think? Orn? Well, I kind of want to actually get into the things that you're talking about, about mm-hmm. how it feels compromised. Cause I think it's they're worth, worth talking about spoilers right. for the last of us. If um, you know, you yeah. guys don't want to get spoiled, but skip ahead five minutes. Um, yeah. Skip ahead five minutes. I think two, two crucial things that kind of misunderstands is that, I think it's really important that The Last of Us that you do play as the main character and you actually do the actions in the game and you murder all the people because that that is essentially what makes the ending of the game so powerful that you're like the one who is actually doing these terrible things to rescue the one you love. Mm-hmm. So I think the fact that that interactive element isn't there actually really compromises the narrative. But also... They sanded back Joel's character a lot. Yeah. Um, I think what makes the game so good is that you, it's kind of the slow dawning on you that you're not playing as a good person. You know, like you're like, oh man, Joel is actually terrible. And I'm only really kind of like relating to him because I'm playing as him. It's kind of like in No Country for Old Men. It's like, or like a Coen Brothers movie, like the same kind of thing where it's like, mm. I don't know if Josh Brolin's a good character, you know? And he's kind of getting what's coming to him. It's like the same thing with The Last of Us. And I think sanding back Joel's character to make him more empathetic and making him more likable actually compromised the message a lot. Um, I don't know if yeah. that's what you were getting at, Aaron, but that's how it No, was. absolutely. The, the sanding down of Joel's character was it like, I, I don't want to strictly call him like a bad person, but I feel, feel like he was supposed to be a very really ambiguous character. And like, I, I think that the game posits a sort of thought experiment to see how you feel about the actions that you're forced to commit. Whereas when you watch it on TV with daddy Pedro, everybody was like, Joel did the right thing. Absolutely. Like everybody empathized with him. Like he was the protagonist instead yeah. of like maybe being the antagonist. Like, I, I, I don't know. No, yeah, I think that's a big... Th- the fact that people are like, oh, Joel's right, like, that shows that the show failed because the game was all about, like, oh, man, did he make the right decision? Right. Did he or do that Everybody says that he's right. Like, that, 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 like, nobody questioned it. It was just like... And, and the ending of the game takes, like, an hour. You're, like, slowly murdering everybody in this hospital where it's, like, a quick segment on the show with some kind of, like, sappy sad music. Sad montage. <laughs> undercut yeah, the just whole sad thing. boy, man. Oh, they also made the game, like, okay, a big big problem with the show that we didn't even talk about is that um and i think this is a problem the video game the action scenes feel like you're playing no country for old men but like the video game version like they're that tense they're like Mm -hmm. the violence is that shocking all of the action scenes in the show were so underwhelming and i think that is a problem because it robs the narrative of tension when you do that like they were very underwhelming shootouts i was like oh okay that's Okay, he killed the guy. Cool, I guess. Whatever. Which is weird for HBO. Like, I, I, I had a friend of mine who, who wanted to watch it with, with, with her mother, and she was like, Can, uh, "Like, how violent is it? Because I know HBO, like, Game of Thrones was too much for her. I was like, actually, you're going to be fine. Like, you don't really see that much violence. And she didn't believe me. And then she actually watched it. I was like, oh, you were right. Like, she was totally fine with it. So they, they went in a more, I don't know, I don't want to say mainstream, but like it, it, they've made it more approachable for a wider audience. But I think it lacks the grit that you're saying that it definitely needed. I don't want to be one of those, you know, like guys you find on Twitter. They're like, "Oh, Joel should have murdered like fifty thousand people." It's like, no, 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 no. But just he could have been a bit more, just a bit more brutal. Which sounds, I don't know, weird saying it, but 
that's that's what it is. Like playing the game, there's a moment where he's just like choking people left and right, and it lingers on the animation. And you see the face, and you see the life leaving their eyes. And Jesus, it's horrifying. But in the move, in the in the show, it's it's always cutting away from that. It's always very very quick and brief. I, I sort of like a couple key moments that you need to have for that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, the show lost a lot of the ambiguity that the game, mm-hmm. I, I at least that I took from the game. Listening to Neil Druckmann talk about it, it's it's a little less clear if that's how he saw it. So I, I don't know. Um, one other thing that I would say is that when you see that final sequence in the game, some of the decisions that the Fireflies make in the game, based on like video game storytelling, you don't question. But when you see them do it in the show, you're like, Oh, they're fucking idiots. Like, (laughs) (laughs) right. (laughs) Yeah. The the show just kind of missed the mark for me. I mean, it's weird because the the third episode is a masterpiece to me. And it's weird. It's like a 10 out of 10 episode and just like a 7 out of 10 show. Just like standing like a monolith. It's so weird. But whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I, I don't know if we have any more to say about that. It was fine. It was, it was fine. Show. I recommend people watch it. Like, I think it's entertaining. Like, I was glad to have something to watch each week. Um, I The Emmy nominations just came out a couple days ago as we're recording this. And uh, I, I just quickly want to talk about a show that's that people talk about. And I just, I struggle with why this, like, it was nominated for Best Show. This is Yellow Jackets. It's a show that, oh. like, on paper could be really great. It's like it's sort of a mix of like uh, Lord of the Flies and Lost, but like teenage girls and like there's dual timelines, but it's, it's so sloppy and the writing is so bad that I just don't understand why it, it, it's able to take up so much um, oxygen, mm. uh, which it's doing right now. So I, I don't know. I, it's just, I don't recommend that show. That's basically, it's like I had to mention it cause I watched every episode and I, every time I was like, should I stop watching this show? Should I stop watching this show? And like, I didn't. So no yeah. one's ever been able to sell it to me. Even people who love the show, I still don't really know what it's about. <laughs> I was just like, everyone's like, "Oh yeah, Yellow Jackets is great." It's like, what's it about? It's like, well, you know, like you said, like the dual timelines. It's like they're lost in the forest. There's a bit of cannibalism. Like, it's okay. yeah, it's yeah. got some kind of cool '90s vibes, but like it's it's it almost feels like sitcom level storytelling. Like just <laughs> goofy, goofy shit happens in every episode. Wow. So yeah, uh, we could we could move on from that. But what about uh, what about Barry? Who watched Barry? I watched okay. Barry. I did. It what, was what we... it, I I I devoured it in the span of like two and a half weeks. I think episode six of the last season came out, and I was like, I need to get on Barry. I had like a friend of mine really loved it. it was always like, Hey, you have to watch Barry. You have to watch Barry. And so I started it, and I caught up with it for the last two episodes. I think I watched like the first three seasons in five days or something. It was insane. Um, oh wait, you watched all four seasons? Yeah, in like a week. Oh my god! Oh my <laughs> oh, god! Oh wow. yeah! Oh yeah! I I basically only watched. I only watched Barry. Basically, <laughs> it was like a good period where I didn't have any like project to work on for like a few days. So I was like, "This is it," uh, and it was worth it. I think coming into it with the right amount of hype where like I was like okay I know that people love this I don't really know what they love about it outside of like it's a dark comedy kind of but going into it and just taking it for the long story that it is I think it paid off Um, Mm -hmm. I think even the final season um, it's it takes a bold choice halfway through it definitely does feel like it's two seasons crammed in one but they say that in a good way kind of I think it would have felt probably stretched out if it took a bit longer. Um, you never know how it's going to be with those things. It's always like a what-if scenario. But but for me, I I don't know. I really liked how every season, in a way, was very straightforward, like very simple. Every episode is like 20, 25 minutes long. Get in, get out. Beautifully shot. Love the acting in this show. Like, everyone is, is, is amazing. Um, and yeah, it's it's very... it is a It is a satisfying finale for me. Uh, so no complaints there, honestly. I don't know how you and felt. It felt or... Congruent watching it all like that, like because it definitely takes uh, some formal, massive formal changes that occur. Yeah, no, it, right. it, it it wasn't too jarring, honestly. 
Uh, like I, I try okay. to balance it to, to be like three, four episodes a day, like throughout mm-hmm. the day, like one in the morning, one or two after lunch, one or two in the evening. Um, <laughs> and it went fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, big awesome, fan. awesome. I think my uh, hot take with Barry is that I really, really loved how season three ended. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, wow, that's the end of the show. Yeah. They should <laughs> just leave it at that. Yeah. And then season four to me felt like a season long epilogue that didn't need to be there. Um, I still liked it. And I, I liked like a lot of the moments. But I kind of feel I'm, I kind of agree with Larry David because Larry David said this to Bill Hader. He's like, why didn't you just end it at season th- season three? That ending was fine. And ever since he said that, I was like, oh, my gosh, I've been saying that for like the past few months. So I'm hmm. not the only one who felt that way. Uh, but but yeah, I did. I did like season four. It, it didn't hit as hard for me as other shows this year, but I did mm. like it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been watching Barry since the beginning, and I it's it's been a great show. It started off as that like screwball comedy about a, a hitman in L.A. at an acting class, and then it became steadily more serious and, and dark as it went on. Um, but it always had that darkness undercurrent. Uh, I agree with the season three. It could have like season four. Season four at moments felt to me like Bill Hader's like I want to try stuff. I want to like experiment with like different forms to see what I could do. Yeah. And whether or not Barry was the right place to do that, I'm not sure. But I always enjoyed watching it, and mm. I felt reasonably like like I enjoyed it to the end. Um, even if I felt like, is this the same show that I started watching four years ago or whatever? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I I really liked it, and I'm really curious to see uh, what Bill Hader Bill Hader right? Yeah, yeah. It does yeah. Have, does afterwards. Uh, but there, this has been like a year of like really kind of some impressive TV. So like. It's been overshadowed by some of the other stuff I think we're about to talk about for me. Yeah, I agree. It, it's good. I, I liked it. But yeah, it, it got overshadowed by a show that was airing at the same time, in my opinion. Yes, the same night. Uh, let's talk quickly about I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson. <laughs> it's. Uh, am I the only one who saw this show? I, I, I watched I, a couple I, episodes. I've seen it all, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Twice. It. It's Twice. Uh, oh, well. it, it's just like one of those shows that the first time you watch it, you're like, that was dumb. And then you start me- seeing memes pop up on the internet, and then you rewatch the skits, and then you laugh your ass off at how funny they are. But you're like, I didn't laugh at this the first time. Why is okay. it funny all of a sudden? And it's just, you know, these shows are a meme generator. Like, mm. you just... Like, people quote them all the time. Like, I'm already seeing people, like, quote them everywhere. Like, I'll just, like, see a friend of mine, and he'll look at me, and he'll be like, and I never talk. <laughs> like, you know, hmm. which is a reference to, like, one of the skits. And it's just it's just dumb. It's dumb fun. Dumb, I've dumb had the first half t- of your experience. You had the first half. The first so half. You, I so watched, watched it and didn't, didn't laugh. I was like, <laughs> you watched it didn't laugh. There you go. Uh, but maybe I should give it a, better, a second chance. It's yeah. I, I, I have to say, like, because I, I've seen all the seasons like a couple of times each because because of what you were saying uh, that it's you know it's kind of rewarding in that way of kind of like revisiting it you see some of the jokes I have to say that the first season felt weaker than the second one I think the second one managed to f- almost reach it kind of reminded me like a, it's almost like a distant cousin of Nathan Fielder where it's like oh there's sure. a lot of humor but there's like this existential element to it and you know all of the societal anxiety that comes with just living in the world and it reached some surprisingly emotionally strong beats throughout the second season or like some skits here and there thinking about like oh when i was younger this and like uh, enjoy the, the present you know not what's going to happen in the future all those things and i think the first season it's mostly like jokey nonsense uh, which is fun, which is fun, but I was missing that extra oomph. I think my favorite episode was the one with Jason Schwartzman, uh, where he just goes to a party, he's always talking about his kids. <laughs> right. And Tim Robinson stops him constantly from talking about his kids. I think that kind of reached that same level of, you know, it's it feels profound despite being incredibly silly and dumb. Um, but yeah, it was very good. It wasn't, though, great. It's just funny how this show, yeah, it's like, 
more than any other show today i feel like i just see it memed everywhere mm. like like i literally w- was talking to a friend and he, he was like i'm like he's like yeah what should we do saturday night it's like i don't know should we go to haunted house or club aqua it's just like <laughs> it's just like full of bullshit like that it's amazing how that show is able to take a life of its own outside of it and i i i don't know it's interesting it's an interesting cultural artifact at the yeah. moment oh yeah <laughs> all right uh did you guys know that netflix changed their the way they uh track password usage so that if you share a password with somebody who's connecting from a different location netflix will kick you the fuck off and make you go through multiple rounds of verification to be able to use it again which is uh part of the reason why i haven't seen beef yet because uh my mom my mom took over my netflix account unfortunately and i haven't been able to get it back oh no i haven't seen beef either actually i want to beef is good beef is very good it's like um like it's an all like korean asian cast it's uh but it's like it has the same energy as a coen brothers movie where it's like you have these characters that have these anger issues and they're like taking it out on like there it, it takes place like you have these two characters one is from like a more upper class like echelon and the other one's more like working class and they both like hate each other and they're always trying to get back at each other and the like a coen brothers movie it slowly gets more toxic it slowly gets more violent and it just keeps going until it all explodes in the final couple episodes and uh it's a good binge it's like a really solid like it's probably like my favorite non Coen Brothers Coen Brothers thing recently. Like it, hmm. it it's really fun. I'd say it's a good show. All right. Yeah, I want to check that out. Uh, briefly, I want to touch on Black Mirror. We don't have to talk about it too much. There's more Black Mirror. It's uh, it's maybe not as good as it used to be. <laughs> I think most people would say. That. I feel like we're we're already living in <laughs> a more Black Mirror like oh, yeah. reality than Black Mirror can possibly <laughs> conjure. So. <laughs> I watched uh, three episodes and they were all just did nothing for me. Um, I did like the use of that Rasputin song uh, by Boney M or whatever. And I started listening to it. But other than that, I was pretty underwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, Oren, as a Chicago native... Right? Is this? I watched Succession. Yes. No. You watched 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 Succession. No. How do you feel about the bear? Tell me about. Did you watch the bear neck? I haven't. I think that's both that and Succession are like high on my shame list. Oh shit! Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll try not to. Well, those are like the two shows of the year, in my opinion. I know. Um, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um. Um, Oh man, the bear. The bear. It's uh, the bear is such a great show for so many so many reasons. But if I were to sell it. Like, I, I'll give you two reasons why you should watch the show. One, the Chicago local detail is so great. There's so many references to just, like, Chicago lore, Chicago things, etc. that makes it so fun. Everyone has a Chicago accent. So if you're just interested in seeing Chicago representation in media, this is a great place to go. They even have a thief reference in one of the episodes, which is, like, you know, the ultimate Chicago movie, in my opinion. Um, and then secondly, the second reason why you should watch it is that the show is really about people trying to find peace of mind in like a world that's threatening to just drive them crazy all the time. Like whether it's their family, whether it's the restaurant business, whether it's crime, like all of these things are threatening these characters peace of mind constantly. And they're, and they're always persistently trying to find just like, peace of mind and um, something therapeutic to just just get them through the day and it's interesting contrasting this show with other shows because like if you contrast it with the sopranos which is another show about mental illness um, and depression usually in the sopranos like a character will like do something violent um, in a situation where like that's not the way to solve that problem they'll just do something violent because they just need to see therapy like a therapist and the show is aware of that Um, But what I love about the bear is that the characters are aware that they're spiraling and they're actively trying to do better. 
And I think that's what really separates it. Like when a character is like yelling at somebody, they'll be like, okay, like, I'm sorry I did that. Like, let's work through this. Let's like take a deep breath. And I think it's so interesting seeing a show handle mental illness in that way or stress in that way. Cause I feel mm. like I never see that anywhere. Um, mm. But anyway, I'm going on and on about the bear. I think it is an, am- an amazing show that is worth getting into. I'm sold. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad you finally checked it out. I really liked the first season of The Bear, which I think was quite good. It, it, the, the show has this sort of like uncut gems level of like stress ratcheting throughout yes. like every episode. And each season has like a bottle episode that doesn't really necessarily directly advance the plot, though it definitely speaks about it. the first season. There's like it's just about this takeout order s- system. And it's like one of the most stressful things I've ever seen. And I, I realize I really like stressful cinema and tv like like something about watching where it's really stressed and i'm sitting there kind of uh, i don't know i enjoy it which i know a lot of people don't but um it's a safe space to experience it <laughs> yeah i guess so yeah that's my inner masochist coming out but the bear but, but it's like, also like cathartic you know because yeah. it's like because we all experience this stress to some degree in our lives whether with our family with our job whatever and i love how the show tackles that but in a way that i feel like is productive you know like mm-hmm. I, like like i really feel like i recognize myself in many of the characters but anyway i yeah, keep going yeah uh but it's like this and succession are really good examples of a show where like shows where the writing the casting and the acting are all kind of and, and the directing are all kind of like executing at a very high level and in a way that doesn't feel like tv maybe the bear feels like at moments there's like a little like TV sort of tropiness, but um, yeah, I think that the second season really improved upon the first season, which was already really great. Uh, it, it has some of the best cameos, like so many cameos, but like right. really, really good cameos. Um, it has it has maybe what is going to be one of my new favorite Christmas movies, uh, just kind of <laughs> lopped in there. Um, and it's like I want I, I kind of there, there is one character who's a little bit of a manic pixie dream girl kind of. Thing, you yeah, know, a little bit. Like there's one, there's a few pieces that aren't quite working, but it was so captivating to watch, um, and, and I think it was doing like really good work with like thinking about stress, anxiety, mental health, and like people growing. Like that is kind of the big p- picture of the show. Is like how do people grow? How do people get elevated from like where they're starting? And so, yeah, I, I like it a lot. Yeah, one la- one last thing I want to say about the show is that um, cousin Richie. His arc this season was so special to me. Oh, yeah. Um, because it, it, it's about, without spoiling, it's about a character who has gone through a lot and he's lost a lot. And he just doesn't see where he fits in. And, like, the show this season, a lot of it is about where he finds meaning now after he's lost so much. And I just thought it was so amazing. And he has one bottle episode that I thought was so special. It's, like, one of my favorite TV show episodes ever now. And another thing I love about Cousin Richie is that he is, like, a huge Michael Mann fan. And the show, like, drops little tidbits to hint that he is a big Michael Mann fan. Like, um, in one of the episodes, he dresses just like Al Pacino from Heat. Um, in another episode, someone's asking for the passcode for his his alarm. And he's like, uh, it's uh, Go Fast Boats Mojito. Go Fast Boats Mojito, which is a Miami Vice reference. So, like, the fact that there's, like, this character who's a stealth Michael Mann fanboy, I just think is so funny. Mm. It's so cool. Yeah. And Michael uh, Mann, big Chicago guy, right? Okay. He's, like, the Chicago filmmaker, so. <laughs> I did not know that. I always think of just Heat, which is, like, such a quintessential L.A. movie, but... Yeah, it's fun. It's funny. He's like an LA film director, but like you know, he started off in Chicago with Thief. So, yeah. Mm. I'm not like this because I'm in Van Halen. I'm in Van Halen because I'm like this. <laughs> right. right. Um, all right. Yeah, The Bear. Strong recommend. One of the best shows of the year. Uh, let's 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 move to Succession, which uh, I think Ord and I both started watching it this year, roughly around the same time. I think you started watching it a little before me. Uh, what was your experience of that like? I man, Succession is like that was such a treasure because I watched the whole thing, and then um, my parents wanted to like watch it as well, so like I decided to just like rewatch it with them. So I've mm-hmm. seen it twice, um, and I it was such an interesting 
TV show experience because I had a lot of um, pre- preconceptions about the show going into it. I'm like, oh, this is going to be like really prestige. It's going to be really overhyped. It's going to be like all these things, and I'm not sure I'm going to like it. And then I, I, I kind of like fell in love with it because to me, it's just like the best kind of satire. Like it's a show that dares you to empathize with like the most horrible people, but like the show is still able to walk that line where it's like, oh, like these people are trash, but like we're still going to like kind of make you feel for them in a way, but we're still going to like make you realize they are definitely trash. And like, I can't believe it was able to walk that line for four seasons straight. And it was just, it was just so great. It was so great. Like no frills satire television and it was just four excellent seasons and it was just a great time i loved it yeah uh it's interesting because it's it's an incredibly funny show jesse armstrong the the lead writer wrote one of my favorite comedies of all time peep show um and it also is like it out game of thrones game of thrones like it was able to do all the sort of like palace intrigue and backstabbing and sort of plotting and maneuvering that game of thrones did but like better and without any of the weird baggage. Um, it's four seasons long. Like it, it's, it, it's probably the best example in, in my opinion, in, in like television of a show where like every single, comp- everybody involved is just like giving their absolute best. Like the writing, it's like, these are like the best, some of the best writers doing their best work. All of these actors are giving performances that are just like, leagues above anything else you see on TV and like really just interacting with their character and understanding them really well. Um, the score by Nicholas Bertel is just like, just brings you to a completely different universe. Like the, the directing is, is so, is so good. Like it's just like every component of the show was just like firing at like, you know, as Kevin said, all cylinders. Uh, but like it, it, it was just really impressive and I need to watch it again. But like, I, I really think it's like, top three HBO at this point. Like it's right up there with the Sopranos and the wire for me. Nice. Yeah. I, I think, I think in some ways it, it like, cause I like to play off my favorite dramas against each other to see like, okay, this maybe is the best for this reason, or this is the best for that reason. I think what makes succession in some ways, the best drama is like one, there's like no filler. It like every episode counts. It's four seasons. Like there is no filler in that thing. It, that's what I meant by when I said no frills. Like even some of my favorite TV shows are like a season too long or like two seasons too long, or they have episodes that don't really drive the characters or the plot. Like this one has none of that. Like it's all purposeful. And um, another thing that I love about Succession that I think it makes it so unique is that it's a show with all of that Game of Thrones backstabbing, but nobody like actually dies. And I think that the fact that they were able to do that drama of backstabbing and intrigue without actually having to have violence was so impressive to me. I'm like, how, how do you do that? That is such an amazing thing to pull off. And, and then on top of that, the show is so existential, like the character of Kendall Roy. It's like, Mm. who is it? This is a character who would not exist without his dad, but also he wants to escape his dad. But like, who is he without his dad? And that existential, uh, quandary is so interesting and it plays out in a way that's so fascinating in that show yeah yeah and, and I just think the, the ability like you could literally relate to every one of the children in some way even though they're all deeply flawed individuals um, and, and you will find yourself over the course of different seasons rooting maybe for Kendall or for Shiv or for Roman and, and really appreciating and seeing like pieces of yourself in them even though you're like wow these people are flawed you know they're 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 flawed broken people but like they're they're deeply captivating i don't know man that show is like something else sorry to sit here just hype train for something you haven't seen nick no yeah no i'm sure i'm gonna love it honestly like i'm saving it like there's so much tv to watch every time i'm like oh well don't worry you're about to get a big uh a big uh desert tv deserts coming beautiful this show's it's easier to recommend. Line. Yeah, this show's e- easier to recommend than a lot of other prestige shows because it's like shorter, you know. Mm. Yeah, like it's four, four, four seasons, like forty episodes, maybe not even that. 
And it's like, I don't know, it's hard for me to re- recommend shows like Better Call Saul or The Sopranos to people because it's like, they're so long. But mm. like this one, it's like, just watch Succession, you know? Yeah. <laughs> people say like a lot of prestige TV is novel-esque and that maybe that's a good or maybe that's a bad comparison. But this felt the most in terms of its like completeness. It's, it's, it felt like very intentional all the way through. Like you said, there isn't a wasted moment. I don't think there's a bad episode or a bad um, season. You know, it's like it's it's good from getting to end, and and the quality is consistent. If anything, it just it just grows. Yeah, it's amazing. Succession's amazing. I hope it. I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see how the Emmys play out this year because it could be like Succession winning, but it could be bullshit like House of Dragon women winning. It's like or Yellow Jackets or you know, Yellow, no, jacket. actually, Yellow Jackets. Jackets. <laughs> love as well uh, i do like i the like white, white lotus. lotus but yeah i don't know it shouldn't win over succession oh, well man. what if what if ted lasso wins over the oh, bear dude, that, that would be so fucking devastating <laughs> that uh, would be so devastating i don't know i, I want to see uh, uh michael mcfadden win oh play, yeah um, he was Tom. so good he like like four. underrated performance but just like that character was just like like somebody I hated from the first episode and was totally rooting for and loved by the end, even though, again, deeply flawed. I think I think a lot of people are Tom heads. I think Tom is maybe the most popular character in the show. Actually, a lot of people love Tom. Hmm. Yeah, pretty great. Uh all right. Any other TV shows before we we head on out? This year, no. Um no. I feel a little like bit the of silo. It's it's very medium. It's a mid I think, show. I think I think the uh, I think TV is basically over for the foreseeable Bro, future. So, so we might as well say what our favorite one is. <laughs> oh yeah, we should. I mean, for real, we're recording this in the midst of a writer strike. Just uh, the other day, the Screen Actors Guild went on strike, which means it's a re- which means production is shut down. I work in post production. I can tell you that shit has completely ground to a halt. Uh, it's going to be a good time to catch up on your, uh, you know, your backlog. There's going to be some room for that. There's like nothing in HBO. There's, what else is coming out on HBO this year? I guess there's a true detective show, but like. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, yeah, things are going to get dire for a bit, which which is, you know, it's like this strike is worth it. The, the shit that's going on right now is, you know, look into it elsewhere, but it's 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 not cool, man. It's like a full-on class war right now um, in L.A. It's, it's incredible. Like, uh, it's I feel it feels like a microcosm for the rest of the world, where like mm. you have these people in power who are trying to render the working class obsolete by using AI and other means, and it's just it's kind of like scary to see because I feel like you're gonna just see that everywhere in the next five ten years. Potentially, yeah. Is it uh is it pretty warm there, Nick? It's very warm in here. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's almost like I don't know, like thirty degrees Celsius in my room. So I don't know how that is in Fahrenheit. It's probably like seventy uh, something. Ninety? Like what is that? Thirty C to F. Let's let's see what the Google tells me. Eighty six. Yeah, that's hot. It's pretty warm. So. <laughs> mm. And it's getting warmer the next five days. Yay! <laughs> They're recommending oh, people stay at home because it's too warm outside. So this would be fun. Fun week to work in front of the computer and melt my GPU. Oh my god. Yeah, that's true, huh? Alright, well, don't you know, stay hydrated. Don't get sunburned. Uh it's it's gonna be pretty hot here in LA. I think in Chicago it's probably shit city, right? Swampy as fuck. Yeah, it's hot. I don't know what it is Fahrenheit right now, but I'm pretty sure the peppers on an Italian beef will cool you down. <laughs> Let me see, Let me see uh, where, where I'm at. 84. Oof. So, yeah, like two degrees off where Nick is. Hmm. But he's saying in his room, which in means my room. it's probably much warmer outside. Oh, um, yeah, that's true. I don't know. I think I have air conditioning on right now, so we're good. All right. Well, watch Asteroid City, John Wick, Mission Impossible, Past Live, Succession, The Bear, Beef. Uh, maybe The Last of Us, definitely Barry, not Yellow Jackets. You guys agree? <laughs> I'd yeah. say so, yeah. All right, cool. Nick, 
thank you for coming and, and doing a, a double header with us, man. That, that takes yeah, endurance. Always fun. Always fun. Honestly. Mm, awesome. And, uh, I, I've got, I got some stuff to watch. I think I really want to see this past lives movie and I really want to see asteroid city and mission. Impo- uh, there's a lot, dude. <laughs> Not enough time. I think asteroid city is going to be digital soon, but yeah, I think it's already, oh. I think it was like yeah, 11th of July or something, which is I do, uh, crazy. Yeah. I, don't want to see Mission Impossible in theaters. Not because I don't want to experience it in theaters, but I just don't want the money to go that direction today. Sure. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. But yeah. but then, I don't know, whatever. All right. Well, guys, thanks again. Uh, this was our, our mid-year non-gaming check-in. Some good shit. And, uh, yeah, thanks again, guys, for stopping by. We'll be seeing you. Adios. Adios.